Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Paula. Well, greetings, Coach Roberts. How are you doing today? I couldn't be better. Likewise, it's been a really good day. And why has it been such a good day? Well, I got to spend the whole day with you. (laughs) We are on vacation. Yes, we are. (laughs) It's good to get away every once in a while. It is. And it's good to be in warm weather. I think it was in the middle 70s today. It was. It was quite windy, though, but I'll take the wind. Yeah, my easy five miles today was supposed to be hilly and there's not a hill around unless I wanted to drive five miles to get to an overpass which I didn't want to do but I felt like running into the headwind felt like going up a hill yes that hill on the overpass would be quite brutal but it would be excellent training for Boston yeah I scoped it out as we were driving over it today on the way back from eating an early dinner and it didn't look all that safe there wasn't really a pedestrian walkway the shoulder was fairly wide but if i'm gonna run on an overpass like that i like it to have a specific pedestrian section maybe divided by a concrete divide Mm-hmm. it's always a priority to be safe that it is so as of release date of this podcast we are two weeks out from the Boston Marathon. So I've been spending a little bit of time reviewing that course and just remembering the importance of being patient in the beginning with all the loss and elevation, which it is a net loss of elevation for probably the first 16 miles, but that includes some rollers so you're going up and down with a net loss so my plan is going to be the same as it was in october is just to relax and take it easy until i get to the top of heartbreak hill and then cut loose cut loose of course in october that didn't work too well because my legs were shot even though i did execute the way i'd planned i didn't get out too fast but i also didn't know i was going to be in the boston marathon until about three weeks before the Boston Marathon in October. Surprise. Surprise. So I had not trained on heels. But this time, my lovely coach, Mr. Dean Roberts, has put a lot of heel training. Even on easy days, I've just thrown in heels where I normally don't. But I'm thinking that the heel work, the up-down heel work where I'm going at a 10K pace up the hill and recovering at marathon pace down the hill, I'm hoping that has my quads much more prepared. And of course, where we're staying this week, we have three flights of steps to go up and down. So maybe that'll help the quads as well. I always tell Lee and Suzanne that the reason their quads aren't sore after a race is because they climb steps at their home daily. So I think that helps. 
So tell us about your nutrition plan for Boston. So my nutrition plan is going to be completely different than what I've ever done before. And for the last few marathons, I had made my own nutrition. And then this past marathon in Mesa, I was going to use the course nutrition of the endurance gels. What brand were those? Gatorade. Yeah, the Gatorade endurance gels. But, I mean, we did a whole podcast on the Mesa Marathon and nothing went as planned that day. But this time, Boston has switched to using Martin gels. So Suzanne and I have been practicing with Martin gels. And I think just based on my practice, I am going to continue consuming something every 15 minutes, but I plan on consuming my Osmo hydration at 15 minutes and 30 minutes and taking a Martin gel at 45 minutes and then just repeat that process. And So a Martin gel every 45 minutes? Yes. And then on the 15 minutes, that's not the 45 minutes. If that makes sense. It does. <laughs> then I'll just hydrate well. So every 15 minutes you are focusing on nutrition. Yes. And the Martin gels, their consistency is just so different. It took me a little bit to tolerate them because they almost feel like a thick jello. They're almost a cross between a gel and a kind of one of those gummy chewy chews that we sometimes take. But I've gotten used to them and they just kind of slide down. And I feel like they don't really stick in my mouth and throat like some of the other gels. So I don't really feel that thirsty when I take a Martin gel. So we'll see. And we're not sponsored. We're not advertising Martin gels. I'm just explaining my plan. By practicing with the Martin gels and getting comfortable using those, you'll be able to participate in Boston and carry less weight because you're not carrying all of your nutrition Yeah, and that is something that I need to research and maybe we can talk about next Monday, which will be a week out from Boston, is at what age stations and mile markers they will actually have the Martin gels available. I've been alternating between caffeinated and non-caffeinated and my stomach tends to tolerate both of them fine, which is great. But speaking of stomach toleration, this weekend has been... For the first time, it felt like a not very successful training weekend. And I attribute part of that to traveling, just being in the car. What were we in the car? 15 hours combined Friday and Saturday? About. And then when we got here, we're in actually in St. Augustine Beach, Florida. And when we got here at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I had not eaten since eight o'clock that morning so i had a snack of peanut butter like natural peanut butter like just ground up peanuts and pretzels and grapes and then realizing that it was going to get dark and i had a two hour ish run that if i were going to get that in i probably ought to get going so on a stomach full of peanut butter, I took off on my run, which was 14 miles, 2 miles, easy warm-up, 11 miles at go marathon pace, and then a mile recovery. And it had been pouring rain when we first arrived. So when I took off on my run, there were tons of puddles everywhere, and I felt like I was dodging puddles and also running on a foreign sidewalk. So 
trying to be ultra careful. So it took me a little bit to actually work down to go marathon pace. It's much warmer here. I'm guessing it's 35 degrees warmer here than what my runs have been at home. And it's a little sticky and humid. So needless to say, it was a challenging workout, but I got it in. And today I was able to follow it up with my five miles easy. You just, just got to take one day at a time. And some days you get good training days and some days you just get them done. And mentally when I took off, I thought, well, if this isn't going well, then I'll just do my five miles easy today. And then I'll do my 14 miles tomorrow after a fresh good night's sleep and not being in the car all day. And in hindsight, maybe I should have done that. I know you kind of encourage that but I just felt like I had that hanging over me and I wanted to get it done and today I was so thankful that I had stuck it out and got it done yesterday. I was glad you went ahead and knocked it out yesterday just because it's a big workout and you basically have given yourself one extra day of recovery before Boston. Yeah so this week I still have a little bit of effort coming up and uh, want to keep the legs fresh and ready and keep everything fresh and ready but at the same time start backing things down so that I'll be good to go. Yeah we want you to be fresh on race day. We don't want you to be overtrained, but we don't want you to be detraining either. We want to try to find that sweet spot where you're maximizing your potential on race day. Well, and I think that's a nice thing, too. We have already adjusted what my week looks like next week just based on how my body's feeling and my data. You took some time today and readjusted my upcoming week. And, uh, of course, the challenge of it is some of it's going to fall on the weekend again and we're going to be traveling again on the way home, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. We picked an interesting time to take a vacation two weeks out from Boston, but it was just too good to pass up. I was ready for a getaway. As was I. How's your foot feeling? My foot's doing pretty good. I'm still having discomfort, but walking and running does not seem to cause the pain to be more severe or to linger any more than not running or walking. So I'm encouraged. You, as my coach, have been increasing my run time a little bit, and I've enjoyed putting the shoes on and getting out the door and working up a sweat. It's been good. Yeah, the pressure's on when I'm coaching you because i got to do an extra special good job for my hubby, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that you have challenged me with in my workouts is to run about nine-minute pace, and that is not my natural pace. And so I'm holding back a little bit, listening to your advice, and I've been encouraged. The length of time I've been able to run is uh, increasing, and like I say, the pain does not seem to be getting any worse. Yeah, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, but as you increase your speed, it exponentially puts a lot more force onto your muscular and skeletal uh, systems in general. So with the other cross training you're doing, I just felt like it would be fine for you to back off your pace and just get that foot used to running again. Yeah. So not much else to talk about as far as my training, but skimming through the sports news this weekend, I thought the results 
of Ironman 70.3 Oceanside were quite interesting. It was a very close finish in the top. Do you want to tell our listeners where that is? It's in California. It was a really close finish, and Jackson Laundrie ended up winning with a time of 3 hours and 45 minutes. And then Lionel Sanders came from behind real close to the finish and ended up sprinting against Rudy Von Berg. And they basically had the same time at 3.45.33, so 33 seconds behind the winner. And then Alistair Brownlee, he finished in fourth place with a time of 3.45.55. So four pro athletes on the male side finishing in less than a minute. Yeah, and a lot of times you don't see that in these long-distance endurance races and to me it's just so much more exciting when it's close yeah and lionel sanders is just fun to watch because he just lays it all out there it'll be interesting to watch his post race youtube video at some point but i believe that he collapsed at the end but that's just the way he is he gives it everything he's got so keep that in mind fellow athletes when you're in a big race and it's close Give it all you've got. Then on the ladies' side, Taylor Nib ran away with it. It wasn't a huge blowout, but it doesn't seem like she was very contested in the event. She finished with a time of 4.06.32. But it's exciting that the triathlon season is kicking off in North America. It's going to be fun to keep up with the, the news and the pro rankings, fun times. Yep, we'll be sure and keep our listeners posted. So we're going to pick up where we left off in the interview with Harry Roberts. And Harry was one of the early adopters of the Zwift cycling platform. I think he said he was somewhere in the first 350 or so people who signed up for the beta back in 2014. And so he has a lot of experience with Zwift, and we're going to continue in part two of the interview with Harry Roberts. Yeah, and of your brothers, he's definitely my favorite. Good to know. (laughs) How do you communicate with other riders? Zwift has an in-game text messaging uh, capability, and this is something that's changed over the years, too. Um, Initially, it seemed like we all knew how to text when I, the iOS uh, platform came out, it seemed like nobody using an iPhone or iPad or Apple TV had any clue as to how to message in game. And I don't think they still do. And that's kind of another little topic. You want to change gears or you want to go on and finish this one? Um, let's change gears and we'll come back. Most people don't know about the companion app and what the companion app does. When you're not in game, when you're not actually Zwifting, as I call it, your companion app does one thing. It shows you um, who, your friends that are riding, shows you events, shows you activities your friends have done, and things like that. So if you um, if you start the game on another device, like a PC, Apple TV, or something, and then you run the companion app on your phone, the app changes and you have a completely different interface on your phone. Uh, it shows metrics related to your ride, speed, uh, distance, uh, has a map, shows where you are. 
And that's where, for most people, you have the ability to do uh, the in-game messaging. Um, but like I say, most people don't realize the app changes when, you, uh, when you're in-game. I can't tell you how many times people have asked me, is like, how do you guys message each other like that? And, you know, for people that are doing it, uh, it just seems like second nature. It's like, are, you're kidding me, right? Um, <laughs> so it makes sense to have that second view of the race so that you can see the course because it's important to know where you are in the course to position yourself. It's uh, it's good. You also in game have a, a mini map. It's called a mini map up in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. But for me, um, it's much easier to zoom in and zoom out on the map on the uh, companion app. I actually um, run my game on the PC and then I have an iPad that I run the companion app on. So it's a, it's a pretty good size map right in front of me and I can click over and message people directly. When you message in game, you can message to the riders nearby uh, which is kind of a public message, or um, you can message individual riders privately. And so when we're um, trying to uh, do a breakaway or get somebody to work with you, you'll, you'll generally message them privately and see if you can get them to, to work with you. You mentioned in Watopia, you didn't really care for the jungle because of the dirt surface. Tell us about going through some dusty roads. Well, Dusty Roads. I went through Dusty Roads tonight. It was the Tour of Watopia again. We went around the jungle. They actually changed the jungle surface just for the Tour of Watopia. Uh, they turned the uh, normally uh, hard pack uh, into a kind of a gravelly surface, but there still was a tremendous amount of dust. Um, so there were times all I saw uh, was nothing but a bunch of dust. Made it challenging to try to stay on someone's wheel. And usually it was only difficult when I got gapped. But I don't really like that either. It, uh, it doesn't only happen in the jungle. Uh, there's a section uh, down in Watopia that takes you over to the volcano um, that's a little bit dusty. It's maybe interesting, but uh, I personally don't want to see much of it, you know. <laughs> I read that if you switch your view to an aerial view, you can overlook the dust and see where you are positioned in the field. Have you tried that? I have not tried it in the jungle. I don't generally change uh, camera angles. Um, there are probably nine or 10 different uh, camera angles that you can choose from. I mainly uh, only switch camera angles when I'm uh, streaming uh, the game. Mm -hmm. And I don't do it a lot when I'm streaming my races because it's difficult to do. Uh, and I get confused on where my avatar is in the race. But yeah, there's helicopter views, uh, first person, third person. You know, you got views that... Uh, look like someone's standing at the road and you zoom past them. Uh, so some of those views are very, not very um, uh, good if you're actually trying to race. They are very interesting um, views. I always preferred using the first person view and that's when I would see the angry baby face. Oh, see, I don't use, I use third person mostly. Isn't that the one that's kind of behind your avatar? I think so. Yeah, I think that's the one I normally use. I'm gonna give you a cup. Can we go back to our tricks? Let's, let's continue on. All right. I guess I want to talk about cooling. Cooling is, uh, for me, it's uh, very, very important. I don't, I don't think I could ride if I was, uh, if there was a big puddle of water under my trainer after I got off. And I don't think pe most people realize that. People all the time t tell me, or send me, actually people send me pictures all the time about how much uh, sweat uh, has dripped on the floor underneath their trainer. And um, I'm like, uh, don't you have a fan? Oh yeah, I got a, I got a great big fan, got a giant fan. And um, for me, it's not how big your fan is. It's uh, how much air it actually moves across your body. And 
it's more important for the fan to be close so that that air doesn't disperse. And um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a fan fanatic, I guess, but I have um, two fans uh, that uh, I guess they're little utility fans. They're small, bought them at Menards for 50 bucks a piece. And um, they blow uh, right on the right and left-hand side of my back. And they're so close to me that I can easily touch them with my right or left hand. And there's never um, any sweat underneath my trainer uh, unless I just turn off the fans and ride intentionally in a hot environment. So airflow is a huge issue. I don't know anybody that actually gets enough airflow. Um, they, I think they believe they do, but they don't. And my concern is, uh, especially in racing, um, when you start to overheat, your performance falls. Um, so you're not really training at the uh, optimal level, maybe. Yeah, that's a really good tip. I remember creating a lot of puddles while riding Zwift. Well, I think you had a, uh, a reason for doing that. <laughs> well, I wasn't working any harder than you were. Well, you were training uh, for a hot environment and I'm just training to uh, win Zwift races. Well, that's a good point. Good point. It was hot in Kona, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> so any other tips? My biggest tip is ride consistently. And I, I'm a big fanatic about, um, I don't, I, I don't plan days off because days off come naturally for me. Just like this past weekend, when I told you the story about Chase and I, um, doing some manual labor that I haven't done in a long, long time. And, uh, I was too sore to ride on Sunday, thought I was going to be okay Monday. And I made it, um, one time around the jungle and my glute, I was hurting so bad that I, I just couldn't go. Uh, so I had to quit. And so tonight was a little bit better, but, um, so I ended up probably unplanned three, four days. I wouldn't say completely off, but one or two days completely off and probably a couple of days, um, suboptimal riding for me. And that's something we tr really try to stress with our athletes as well is when you're healthy and you can be consistent in your training. And that way, if you have a few setbacks along the way, it's not mm -hmm. going to be a big deal. So um, it's just important not to make excuses and skip when you're perfectly capable of being consistent, if you want to make gains. I agree completely. Um, consistency is the, the most important thing. And then, you know, for me too, I'm a, a big proponent of um, adding 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. I know everybody's busy, uh, but when you jump on the trainer and, you know, it takes you 15 minutes to warm up and you do a 10 minute cool down, you don't really get a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of time there to get quality training in. And uh, it's pretty easy if you try to, you know, throw 15 minutes on at the beginning and do the warm up before, you know, the one hour you would normally do. So I think it's, you know, it's a balancing act, but, you know, you can get up 15 minutes earlier in the morning and uh, you had 15 minutes a day, you know, six days a week. That That's quite a bit of additional training. Yes, it is. So you talked about how you really enjoy racing and we talked about the really fast start. Tell us about the finishes. I am not a very good finisher on Zwift races. <laughs> Most Zwift races that I do, and I have to assume that they all finish like this because I've done what I say, 860 some odd races. They're almost always in a sprint finish and I'm not a sprinter. I do try. Positioning for me is paramount in the finish. I don't want to be too close to the front. With 400 meters to go, if I'm the 10th rider, I'm, I'm in pretty good shape because there's a lot of draft there to be had. They're again, I, we haven't talked about it, but Zwift's a game. And so they gamified it by giving you um, some superpowers. Uh, they call them power-ups. So most of the time in a sprint finish, uh, an helmet 
which is an aerodynamic boost is very beneficial. Uh, they have a truck, which is very beneficial too. Not as beneficial as the aero helmet. The aero helmet works if you're off the front. The truck only works if you're behind somebody. So those two help you finish well. But my sprint power is just not at the level to actually win any sprints. And I have very rarely won any sprints. So do you think that has anything to do with, which I am not a physiology expert, but do you think that has anything to do with as we get older, our fast twitch muscles dwindle and our slow twitch muscles tend to increase? I think my body type, I think was always more geared toward endurance than it was um, fast twitch, I guess. I think maybe, and this may not mean much to anybody, but I don't know if I've probably maybe once hit a thousand watts in a sprint for a second, which in cycling, that's not much of a sprint. You know, a 400 meter sprint, if I averaged four or 500 watts, that would be pretty amazing for me. And when you've got guys that can do that, 1500, maybe sometimes close to 2000 watts, it's, yeah, it's just not, not meant to be for me. (laughs) I don't, I mean, I could, uh, and you know, part of it's my, how I train, I enjoy riding, so I tend to do endurance rides. I don't do a lot of uh, VO2 max efforts or efforts that would improve my sprinting. I'm sure there's a little bit of um, improvement there, but sometimes I think uh, when you improve that sprint power that you you, you give up a little bit, maybe on on the longer term FTP type power. And it's just not not been something that I thought I could do or had a lot of interest in doing. Um, if I thought I could do 1500 Watts with a little bit of practice, uh, you know, I, I'd be all in, but I don't think my cards um, are ever going to have that. There you go. Soar with your strengths. <laughs> you may tell you about the most difficult things on Zwift. Yes. Most difficult things on Zwift. Well, there's a thing on Zwift that probably a lot of people don't realize, but there are a lot of badges can be earned. And some of those badges are called route badges. There's a bunch of them. I don't remember exactly how many, uh, but some of the tougher ones are for the uh, pretzel loop, which is uh, 44.8 miles with 4,300 feet of climbing. Then we have the mega pretzel, 66.5 miles and 5,387 feet of climbing. There's a few others. Uh, Most people probably feel like the hardest badge to earn on a route badge is the uh, PRL full, which is uh, 107 miles with 7,513 feet of elevation. (laughs) The real challenging thing is um, you get to go up Box Hill 11 times. And most people don't like going up Box Hill more than once. Yeah. And that's in London, right? It is in London. Yes. Uh-huh. The PRL full is actually a simulation of the, the ride um, that they have over there. I don't remember exactly what, is it Prudential Ride something life or something, what the PRL stands for. And then um, I mentioned earlier about the badge for going up uh, the Alpe de Zwift uh, 25 times. That's probably a very difficult badge for most people to get. I looked up on my Strava because the Alpe de Zwift is a segment. And I've done the climb 35 times. So I think I did it 25 <laughs> times by myself and then 10 times with Chris Sampley. Um, <laughs> and like I don't like to do it anymore, maybe because I've done it so much, but I did do it in like February and did a pretty decent time. Now, some crazy things people do on Zwift. There's a thing uh, in real life called Eversting, but on Zwift it's called V Eversting. I've not ever even thought about doing, but it's basically doing hill repeats on Zwift until your elevation gain is 8,848 meters, which is 29,029 feet. And that's the height of Mount Everest. And they have to do it all in one activity. They do allow you to stop, but it has to be completed during one activity. You can't 
go to sleep and wake up the next day and start over again. And so hats off to those people. I can't imagine uh, climbing 29,029 feet in any single ride. What percentage of Zwift riders earned that? I think it's a very low percentage, but it's uh, in numbers, it's uh, pretty surprising. And I believe there's actually a website that uh, provides all the rules for the V Everesting attempt and uh, records them. Um, I haven't looked at it in a while, but I was amazed that some of these people, um, you know, know, some of them are not very fast or not very um, quick at going uphill, uh, but yet they still manage to accomplish the task. So they're on there for a very, very long time. (laughs) So earlier you we're talking about an Easter egg, or I guess I was talking about an Easter egg, but I remember there were times early in Zwift, and I'm wondering if it still occurs where like all the bikes will be tricycles or riders will have big heads. Do they still do that? A little bit. Um, yeah, we've um, trying to remember exactly what happened. Sometimes around Halloween, something like that happens. Usually you have to um, ride um, a certain route and as you ride that route, you will gain, um, the last time I remember it was, uh, uh, it was a dinosaur costume, I believe. And you would gain the uh, tail or you'd gain the legs or the arms and the head. And it just took a while to uh, get the whole thing. You know, it was really fun. A lot of fun. The, the big wheel or trike or whatever was a lot of fun too. I know you don't remember this and I don't know why they don't bring it back. Uh, but at one time th- there was a paper boy thing. You could ride along and throw papers at targets. Um, so that was kind of cool for a, for a day or two. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm glad that's not every day, but uh, it, it is fun. It's kind of like the, the Turuatopia. Um, every month or two, they'll have some big event like that, that uh, gets people motivated to ride. Uh, and I wanted to bring up one other thing too about, um, just to give you another, a little bit more idea of things that can motivate people. Um, in Zwift, there's different levels. Level um, 50 is the current highest level you can obtain. They haven't raised that for a while. If I had to guess, probably five or 10% of the people are level 50. And Brian Reynolds uh, recently achieved that milestone, um, which is a huge milestone. So I want to kind of give him a shout out. I would guess he's probably one of the only one or two, maybe, you know, Owensboro or the Owensboro area that have reached level 50. So hats off to him. He's also uh, been very active in um, route badge hunting scene. He's probably got more route badges than I do. I actually at one time had all the route badges completed and Swift came out with a bunch more. (laughs) I was kind of involved in uh, Swift racing. So I've kind of shelved that. But that, that's another thing that motivates people. Um, really, there's something for everybody. It's um, like I say, it can be challenging to to find what you like. And I hear that all the time. I hear people say, um, you know, I tried that out. That was okay. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I'm like, well, you need to give it some time. You need to ask questions, you know, ask other people what, what are they doing on Zwift that keeps them involved and what makes them excited about it. You know, there's training, structured training. You know, that's not my thing, but a lot of people do it. I see a lot of, you know, coaches, and I was going to ask you all if you all had ever considered it. A few years ago, Sampley actually rode a bike that he would get us together, and we would get on Zwift, and he would lead us in uh, some type of workout. And uh, it was a ball, you know. Uh, We'd all do the same effort. We didn't actually have the capability at the time. But now um, Zwift allows you to lock everybody together. So regardless of um, how much power someone else is putting out during your workout, you all stay together. 
back in the day, you know, we would all separate and Chris being as powerful as he is would have to turn around and uh, come back and let us all regroup. But it was a lot of fun. Just the interaction with, uh, you know, having someone to kind of coach through the session was a lot of fun. Discord is the thing uh, that we use uh, for audio chat, which worked out really well. You can do audio and video on Discord, but uh, it was a ball. I kind of miss it. I wish Chris still rode. Um, maybe you guys could, uh, I don't know, should we uh, shame him into riding again? Come on, Chris. Get back on Zwift with our, with our brother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> he does have a little child at home. He has more excuses than anybody. <laughs> Edit. Yeah, he has more excuses than Chad Hetty. Oh, no. I'm going to leave that in there. <laughs> I had lunch with both of them today. <laughs> so you Chad Hetty drives me crazy. I'm like, come on, Chad, you just got to do something. Do it every day, please. <laughs> so you didn't tell us, and maybe you're being humble. Have you reached level 50? Yeah, my story about level 50, I don't know. It's kind of sad, really. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I guess Swift has so much going on and being a, a small company and, you know, they're in the gaming business, but they're not in the um, exciting part of the gaming business. You know, they're in the cycling part of the gaming business. And if you were a good game developer, do you want to develop for um, Call of Duty or do you want to develop for... Um, you know, Zwift, what the heck's Zwift? You know, <laughs> I, I would say most gaming people don't know what Zwift is. So it's, it's been a challenge for them to get developers. And so some of the development of the game has been very, very slow. There were a bunch of us that were level 50 or we had enough, it's called XP or points, points, mileage, um, everything to be level 50 when they introduced level 50. And I, th I can't remember the exact level that was available before level 50, but it was around 25 or 30. So instead of uh, Zwift just giving us level 50, they made us earn it, but they From let us the earn beginning? it. Not, not just like uh, somebody else that would be moving up through the levels, but they let us earn it at an accelerated rate. But I went from a level 25 to a level 50 in just a few months. But you know, in, in reality though, I'd already written enough to, to earn it. And that's been two or three years ago. So I've been level 50 for longer than I, you know, I don't, I don't even get excited about it because I don't know when they're going to release new, new levels. Um, but for other people, um, it's a, it's a, a pretty big motivation. And to give you another example, I, I talk a lot about the Turbotopia because it's going on right now, but uh, they give you uh, extra XP points for, for doing the Turbotopia. And a lot of people are really excited about that because um, there are, you can purchase, I don't know if you want to call it bikes or merchandise or gear in game uh, with what's uh, Zwift currency, which are called drops. Um, you earn drops from riding, but you can't just buy everything. You have to, sometimes you have to be at a certain level to buy a certain bike or to buy a certain wheel set. Um, so people try to level up so that they can buy the, uh, the best bike and the um, best equipment. So do, do they give you an option of paying money for those? Not at this time, but there's always been talk of that. I'm not so sure that um, bike manufacturers or equipment manufacturers don't pay uh, some type of fee to Zwift to have their equipment in game. Um, there are a few banner ads that I would guess were paid for on the courses. So I think Zwift has, um, they certainly had the potential to have a lot of revenue streams. Obviously this time I probably, the main revenue stream is just through membership subscriber base. Yeah. That's makes sense. We, we didn't talk about team time trials. I never had done a team time trial. Didn't even know it was a thing. Then I um, did the uh, Zwift Racing League uh, this past fall, which they called it the 21-22 uh, season. 
and during that, we had two team time trials. And, I, you know, I tell you what, it was one of the funnest things that I have uh, done recently on Zwift. Our whole team participated in a team time trial. And it was just just um, a whole lot of fun. Uh, our captain, uh, we were all on Discord. Our captain uh, encouraged us, to, uh, pointed out gaps, told us to close gaps. It's just, uh, it's pretty technical. It's challenging to stay together uh, in a small formation on Zwift. Uh, it's extremely difficult. I can't do it, but I've been told people can uh, actually pace line in a single file line on Zwift. And apparently those are the uh, best uh, team trial, time trialers. We did a better job at bunching up, which is not a terrible way to team time trial, but certainly we all tried to um, pace line, but we weren't very capable. I'm kind of a numbers or data junkie. So the team time trial thing kind of fit right in with me. People have developed spreadsheets that you enter your um, rider uh, data into, and uh, it spits out uh, what wattage uh, everyone should pull at, what order there should be in. So not only does it tell you uh, how much power to do, but it tells you how long you should pull. And then you just develop that rotation, but it's a, it's a really awesome event. And out of that, we got involved with um, WTRL, which is the one that puts on the ZRL. Um, they had always done, or for a long, long time, had done a Thursday night team time trial. They do it a slightly different way. They encourage uh, mixed category teams and they do it in coffee classes. So you might be an espresso team, depending on um, the mix. You know, you, if you have a couple of B's and, three or four C's, uh, you're, you're one category, you know, and if you got a bunch of A's, you're a different category, but it's, it's a blast too. Um, I, I actually acted as the director sportif a couple of times, uh, for some other teams. It's fun doing that too. Um, being on there, encouraging people, reminding them when it's their turn to pull and how hard they're going to pull and how long. And I think everybody should at least give it a shot. It's, just an amazing event. For me, it's one of those things that I didn't even know about, but it was huge. Um, so there's all kinds of different things. Just So does Zwift assign you to a team or do you just seek out a team? Uh, to participate in the ZRL, you, you seek out your own team. People, um, so we're, this is the, uh, the third um, session of the 21-22 ZRL that's about to start in a couple of weeks. The Northern Hemisphere is uh, starting to get uh, warmer, so there's less interest in uh, people in the Northern hemisphere, which is the majority of the population participating in the ZRL. So um, on Facebook, you see all kinds of teams advertising, um, Hey, we need some uh, B riders. We need some C riders. Uh, so right now it's easy to find a team because they're really looking for you. But when come fall, if you don't have a team or don't, you know, you, it's to find a team, uh, basically uh, look around. Almost every team will try to find a position for you. That's yeah, pretty cool that there's so much variety. And like you were saying, it's just so something that most everyone should be able to find a way to train and be entertained. You know, and for me, that's huge. Again, it's, if you enjoy doing something, it's, it's, it's not like work. It's, you know, and you just get better naturally because you enjoy doing it. If you feel like it's something you dread and, you know, I'm just going to, I mean, I can't wait to get through that hour. Well, I'm just the opposite. You know, it's, it's fun. I enjoy being on there with other people. And uh, tonight was kind of a, I don't want to say a short ride for me, but I usually put in about two hours a night. Sometimes it's a little bit excessive, but uh, I've been known to ride five hours on the trainer, which is, you know, you've probably done it, but most people would think that would be crazy. Well, um, and I have to give a shout out to your beautiful wife, Jennifer, because from my eye, she seems extremely supportive of this hobby of yours. Well, uh, you know, I think, and uh, you all have seen this with everybody, and I'm sure it's, you all experience yourself, um, just how good you feel 
after um, working out or, you know, um, getting that, uh, you call it the runner's high, the cycling high, you know, you, you, you're in such a better mood uh, the rest of the day after you've actually um, done, you know, had, had that experience. So if you're grouchy, she actually sends you out to the trainer. Yep. She goes, why, she goes, why don't you go ride? Because you're grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you grouchy. Yeah. She has. <laughs> hey, I wanted to tell you about another little thing that I did um, between uh, the two ZRL seasons that I did. I actually uh, did two. I did one in the fall and one in the winter. So in between there, I was a little bit disappointed. The team I was on, I thought it was a, I don't know what the right term is, but I thought it was a race team. I thought we were going to race. And man, did we race. We raced uh, the ZRL season every Tuesday. And it was awesome. We all got real serious about it. We researched the courses, we strategized, we gave people roles, you know, you go for this sprint. Uh, I'm going to go for the second sprint and you guys try to finish well. But then when the season ended, everybody disappeared. Nobody was racing. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't, I was just disappointed. I thought we were going to continue to race in other series and just other individual events, but it, it didn't happen. So I started looking around and, um, I stumbled into this uh, Flaming Rouge racing series and it was a winter series, a real compact series. It was real interesting for me because they were doing some things that I had never seen done on Zwift. They were doing longer, harder, uh, more difficult races. The very first stage that we did, I, I remember doing it on a Sunday morning. We did an individual time trial and immediately after we went into a full road race. Um, so um, we had two stages back to back on the very first day, which was pretty cool. And the other unusual thing they did, which most people would love this, and I don't know why it's not implemented more, they neutralize their starts. So when the race starts, they have someone designated uh, to control the pace. And for the first few kilometers, it's at a reasonable pace. And then they'll give a countdown and the race will actually start with a movie, a rolling start, which is more typical of in real, you know, real life uh, racing. For me, much, much, much better suited to my type. I'm not, uh, I die at the beginning. I think I'm going to die at the beginning. There have been a few times I've actually quit after the first three minutes uh, because I didn't think I could breathe. But yeah, something like that is um, in, in my my dream world, that would be how every race should start. Just amazing the, the different things they've thought of to simulate real life, real life racing. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I want to touch real quick on too, um, you all mentioned that you all watched a little bit of, um, virtual cycling, uh, either on YouTube or on the internet or something. For me, I, I never dreamed that I would watch um, <laughs> virtual cycling. What well, started for me, it started um, a few years ago. There was a um, company uh, called CVR that was promoting racing pretty heavily. I was doing the race series and they got me streaming because uh, you earn points for streaming your race. And being the uh, type of rider that I am, I needed every point I could possibly get. So I streamed, uh, nobody watched, but I streamed and, um, <laughs> I did better because I streamed, you know, as we went into, you know, 2021, 2022, the ZRL, I, I streamed almost all those races because people on my team were asking me to, they were, you know, we had a team that was uh, bigger than uh, the maximum allowed number of riders. So usually a couple of people would set out, they enjoyed watching the rest of us race. And I watched a few in, in the ZRL, there were the, the, the upper level was called the premier league. And we were very fortunate. Um, a girl out of Evansville um, actually raced in the premier league and I watched several of her races and uh, I was just amazed. I thought, man, that is really, really, that's pretty awesome. You know, uh, not only would they show uh, the game, 
but they had webcams showing the athletes and uh, she was uh, highlighted a few times and the announcers talked about her. And like you said, it's amazing. It makes it so much better when we have these people uh, announcing these events, you know, three or four years ago, I, I would have thought you were crazy if you told me you were watching virtual cycling on a platform like this, but uh, it's growing. It's kind of really cool. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting. Yeah, that's a whole big business, even in the gaming world. People stream playing games, and a lot of people watch other people play games. <laughs> yeah, I have dreams, or I, I have to believe at some point, Zwift is going to improve uh, their in-game messaging. Uh, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it's rudimentary. It would be awesome if they incorporated video into it somehow. You know, for the casual user, they're not capable of running Zwift and Discord and webcams and you know you've got to be on the uh, extreme end of Zwifting to to enjoy all that for me it's just so much better uh, like I said I, had, I have dual monitors so I run discord on the other monitor it's always much much better when uh, everybody is sharing their video of them suffering on their bike too <laughs> so you just don't, you don't I'm sure, I don't know if you all ever do, but sometimes when you see an avatar, you start to wonder, is is that a real person behind that avatar? Yeah. <laughs> Are you saying misery loves company? <laughs> I, I definitely enjoy watching other people suffer. <laughs> so we haven't talked at all about the other side of Zwift, which is running, but that is a whole nother uh, side of the Zwifting platform. I, I don't think it's nearly as popular as cycling, but so if you're looking for entertaining running, Zwift is an option as well. Zwift is an option. And I, uh, I'm i pretty sure it's free. I don't think you have to be a paying member uh, to run on Zwift. And I just wanted to clarify that I am a level three runner with a total distance of 17 kilometers. Oh, that's a little bit different than your uh, cycling stats. That's a lifetime number too. That's not a, not a seven day average or anything. <laughs> It's two hours and four minutes and I've actually burned three pizza slices. And that's kind of cool about Zwift too. They give you how many pizza slices you've burned from your efforts. So running three, cycling 5,122. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and you don't even like pizza. I don't like pizza, you know. You know, I, I'll say this for our podcast listeners, unless you make me cut it out, but Harry is my brother-in-law and I've known him a long time because I've been, you know, I've known the family since I was 12 but we always kind of kidded him because he went all in on hobby to hobby to hobby to hobby from flying airplanes to riding motorcycles to a lot of things. But let me tell you, this cycling has hung around. <laughs> it's hung around a little while. It's, it hung around a lot longer than the golf did. Um, <laughs> the motocross might have uh, rivaled the cycling, but uh, the motocrossing broke me. So uh, yeah. um, I had to give that up. We were just glad you lived through that phase. <laughs> yeah, and riding indoors on Zwift is a lot safer than riding outside. Uh, it is definitely a lot safer. And I, I, I haven't mentioned it, but it, time-wise, it, uh, I think you get more bang for your buck or you should get more bang for your buck. If I leave my house and go ride, do a group ride or something, um, I probably lose 20, 30 minutes of training time compared to if I just jumped on Zwift and started riding, you know, we stop a lot. We talk, we wait for people, you know, you don't tend to do that on Zwift. Do you have a preference between the two? In the wintertime, I love Zwift. 
<laughs> I don't tend to ride Zwift much in the summer. If it's raining, I'll Zwift. I Zwift in my garage, which is um, awesome. It kind of goes back to the cooling uh, that you need to be cool. Being in the garage, I keep a remote right beside me. And uh, it, when it's cool enough outside, if it gets above 55 degrees in my garage, I'll open the door and I still run the fans at 55. Now, summer's a little bit different. I like Zwifting so much. I uh, put an air conditioner in the garage. Um, I, can't, I can't get it to 55, but I can get it to 64. Um, and so I run it at 64 in the garage um, yeah, for an hour we, or two while I run. We normally don't do advertisements on our podcast, but we will have to give a shout out since he mentioned air conditioning in his garage. He, he, uh, he uh, is awesome. All things heating, cooling and air conditioning and plumbing. If you ever need any services. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. So if anybody needs a Zwifting air conditioner for their garage, I know it's a small market, but um, I'm your guy. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I've mentioned it to all kinds of people and, uh, you know, they're just not into it as much as I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what I wanted to tell you too. Um, just how much of a positive experience I had with ZRL, um, which was the Zwift Racing League. I had two awesome captains. First captain was um, Francisco. Uh, he was Canadian. School teacher, I think the school uh, schools up there are slightly different. I think it was post high school, pre college, maybe. I think they had kind of have an in between. That's the area he was uh, teaching in. But a younger fella uh, just got engaged uh, in 2021. Super encouraging, very positive. Couldn't have asked for a better captain. And then in my second season, I had a guy. His name was Luke. He was just unbelievable too. Um, same way, very encouraging. He knew all the 1980 songs. So in his race reports, uh, he would always reference um, our performance to some 1980 songs. <laughs> the coolest thing about uh, Luke was, is that he was from Singapore. So obviously we, we were in completely different time zones. So when we were racing, Luke was just getting up, which worked out real well for him as a coach. And not only did he coach us, but he raced in his own time zone. So when we were waking up in the morning, he was doing his racing. And then in the afternoon, um, he would coach us. But it was awesome. Like I say, I just met some really interesting people. You get to know the people on your team very well. They all have stories. They're all in different places in their life, but a great bunch of people. Um, I think everybody, um, I actually, um, after the first season uh, I did in this fall for ZRL, I convinced a bunch of the local guys, probably shouldn't name them all, but there were enough of them to make my own team. Uh, I had them join my team. And of course, my team asked me, said, do you, do you want the team? I said, well, you know, from based on my experience, I think it would be good if you broke us up and put us on all individual teams, you know, different teams. So we get to kind of mix in with other people. And that's what we did. And um, as far as I know, everybody had a blast. Everybody did really well. And I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll be coming back next year. But uh, yeah, so there was at least uh, just on my team or our team, eight or 10 local people that participated uh, in ZRL. Some of them participated at different levels. Some of them would show up Tuesday night. Hey, what course are we doing? I said, come on, I'm like, come on, Kevin Brown. You know what course we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. Why aren't you all Zwifting? Our focus this year, and I guess for the last few years, has been on running. We are trying to accomplish the six world major marathons, which is Boston, Chicago, New York, Tokyo, Berlin, and London. Wow. So we're doing again. What? Wow. <laughs> so we're doing the three North American ones this year, 
Yeah, our extent of Zwifting right now is that fortunately the software, the coaching software that we use will load into Zwift. And so the workouts that we prescribe can actually be ridden and captured on Zwift. So, but not riding it a lot ourselves right now. Have you considered uh, doing coaching led sessions? No, <laughs> we may have to look into that. Would would you entertain that? Harry wants coach Dean. Sure. On I think it, I don't I don't know um, how many of your athletes are actually on Zwift, but I, I think they would find it very enjoyable. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. Well, Harry, we really appreciate you telling us about all things Zwift. And before we end our podcast, we always like to end with a scripture. Do you have one that you would like to share? I did. I came up with one. I came up with Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And I didn't, you know, I needed a little help understanding that. What that case is, um, is that it's actually telling us the kind of effort and dedication victory requires. Competing with integrity is key. Anyone can cheat and win, but what does that do as morally? It's not all about winning at all costs or abandoning your values to do anything it takes to win. This is telling us we need to perform at our absolute best and have the self-discipline to compete in a focused, well-practiced and strategic manner. If we do that, we will have performed in such a way that we will be nearly impossible to beat. We will get beat sometimes, absolutely. However, in performing the honor, we can feel victorious even in a loss. Very good, Harry. Really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, it's really kind of a neat scripture because it doesn't say you have to win the prize. It just says race as if. <laughs> well, and that's uh, exactly, you know, for me, it kind of hit home because that's what I do. I, I, I try to win every time I I hop on Zwift, you know, I, if, if I'm just on there doing an endurance ride or something, no, but if I'm on there racing, uh, and I'm guilty, I, tonight I tried to race the tour of Watopia, which is a, a, a group ride, you know, do you, do you race the group ride? Yes, I did. <laughs> Good for you. And so, and so did a lot of other people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't think you're a standalone in that. Yeah. Well, Harry, we really appreciate your time. It was very informative. I know our audience is going to enjoy listening to it. Oh, I was going to tell you another funny thing that uh, since you mentioned that, um, so we're uh, in this RL season, we're all pretty serious racing because we sought out the racing series and we sought out a team and we got put on a team and we're all racing one day and talking and telling somebody the reason I didn't like the Tron bike, which is the bike everybody wants to ride because you have to earn it. It takes a long time to get it. I said, I don't like the Tron bike because I can't tell when I'm drafting. They said, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, on the Tron bike, your little avatar never sets up. He never sets up and setting up is an indication you're drafting. So for me on the Tron bike, I was always paddling as hard as I could because I didn't know when I was drafting. So I didn't realize I could get tuck in behind somebody set up and do 20 or 30% less power and just cruise in the draft. So I quit riding the Tron bike for that reason. And this guy goes, oh man, you're kidding me. I didn't know my guy set up when it went, when you're drafting. I said, your guy's supposed to set up when he's drafting. <laughs> Kevin probably wouldn't mind me telling the story too. Kevin and I raced together on the same team. And um, it was amazing that our powers were very similar, but our results were not similar. So there are, um, I don't know what the right term is, but there is some uh, racing craft or cycling craft or something to Zwift that allows um, that you learn over time. 
you know, mm-hmm. and you become a better Zwifter, you develop skills, I guess. It's not, uh, you don't improve your power. I mean, you do improve your power, but um, what I'm talking about is two people, the same or similar power can have di- completely different results based on how they um, use that power within a race. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, some conversations that Kevin and I had. We were pretty seriously racing, but if we had raced in a little bit more casual race, I would have probably tried to tell him, and I did in some of those races, Kevin, let up, man, let up. You're going too hard or, hey, you need to go hard in this section. And uh, it's amazing how much difference that can make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to know the course and and know the know the strategy. Yeah, yeah. And Kevin didn't because he, he would show up at the last minute. yeah he he was he's he's funny yeah i enjoyed him yeah well good have a good evening you too see you guys bye-bye at ryr endurance team we specialize in customized coaching what is customized coaching it's more than a training plan it's a relationship it's a partnership so what are your goals What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. The views expressed by the guest are not necessarily the views expressed by the hosts.